0: Hello, Gold Coast Suns fans, and welcome back to another episode of the GC Sunscast. My name is Shane. I'm your co-host. Joining me is Tom. Welcome to the show, Tom.
2: Yeah, Shane. How are you this week?
0: I'm fantastic. It was great to have some football on the TV again, and we are able to see the the best part of the year for Suns fans, which is seeing our team actually play decent football.
2: Yeah, that's right. I mean, this is the time of year where most of the players are fit. Players are—they know they're playing for round one spots. Uh, this, this—you know—this year is a bit different because there's maybe 30 plus players playing for those 22 spots. So, yeah, it was, uh, and it showed, didn't it?
0: it? It certainly did. So we've got a lot to talk about tonight. We've got the men's game, discussing how that went down. Why the Gold Coast Suns of 2020 look better than the Gold Coast Suns of 2019 and previously. We've got, uh, hopefully if we get time, we'll get to some player rankings on what we thought uh, the players from that men's game, how they performed and wh- how how likely they are to be walk-up starts for the, the best 22 come round one. And we also have the AFLW to discuss the Q Clash. Was a draw, so it was a very entertaining game of football for for the women's game. And uh, we'll, we'll have more to discuss about that, but first, before we get into the show any further, let's thank our old soul Patreon donors. So, we'd like to thank Jack Stad, Dale Snelling, Paul Vosti, Tom Kim, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Chris Moore, Robbie Fiorini, Tim, and James Wood. Again, thank you guys for your donations. It helps keep the show going. Uh, you can head on over to our, our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash SunsCast and donate a couple of dollars our way if you guys enjoy the show um the other bit of housekeeping i need to report is apologize for the gc suns cast plays last week was uh delayed i just wasn't feeling fantastic and it's not the most entertaining thing if i'm talking there and uh, not feeling too great uh so hopefully we'll have another episode of that this thursday it doesn't look like my wife will be joining us she's got plans uh, but I'll, I'll think of something, and uh, we'll find some sort of game that we can play. Something new that I haven't done before, I think. Um cool. All right. Well, with that done, let's start off with some AFLW news. Now, the Gold Coast Suns played the Brisbane Lions in the first ever women's Q clash, and it was a torn result. Four goals for 28 apiece. Uh, Kalinda Howarth was the leading goal scorer with three goals. And, um, geez, what a game that was. I saw, I missed the first quarter, but I yeah. tuned in for the last three and I reckon that last quarter of football was some of the most tantalizing viewing I've ever seen. I jumped on the Facebook and I was telling everyone to to watch it. It, it was must watch footy. Um, unfortunately the girls just couldn't get that extra point they needed to to get the win.
2: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, you, you missed the first quarter, which, I mean, it was it was even Stevens from both teams, but the Lions just, they just knew they had to get out to a fast start, because let's not forget, they travelled down to Geelong last week, they had one day less uh, break, now they, they said that they didn't think that that was a, a factor, but it obviously was, because as you saw, the Suns were coming home full of gas, and the Lions started to lose... Uh, you know, the the things that they were doing really well in the first and second quarters, they weren't doing so well. And and take nothing away from the Suns. They were really catching up. Leah Kasler catching that knee and Sam Virgo a bit earlier on, just going into a tackle awkwardly. Both of them went off um, for concussion protocol. Uh, Neither of them are going to miss any game time, but they missed missed game time in that game. and, And that was really decisive. What did you think?
0: Yeah, it didn't... Uh, what was I going to say? It didn't disappoint the expectation of it being a Q clash. It was certainly mm. hard, ferocious, and very aggressive football from both sides. Um, like you said, uh, what Leah Kaslar from the Suns, and there was a Lions player, I think, that went down very early in that final quarter. And, That's true, um, yeah. It, it yeah. had an impact, I reckon, for both sides. But the... The real shining light of that game for the Suns was Kalinda Howarth with her three goals, mm. and she's also been nominated for the Rising Star Award for the AFLW this week.
2: Which, which um, she's been nominated with uh, a St Kilda player who, who who bombed a goal from outside fifty and and won the game for the Saints. So um, not only did she she get the nomination, but you know she's she's paired up with someone who you would have thought. Before the game was, was a shoe in for the Rising Star. So, Kalinda's really uh, got to be proud of herself. And it doesn't matter if you share the nomination, it's being nominated that counts. And, uh, you know, she's, she's got five more games to, to try and take it out. And given her backstory and, and, and experiences, um, gee, what a great story. And, and, uh, and you know, she's going to be a 10 year player.
0: If not more. Absolutely, I hope she is. Uh, she caught my eye in the first uh, first game against GWS with her her pace, and I thought she's got a lot of X factor, and she's she's going to be really handy. And yeah, she's come out so quickly in round three and really showed us what she can do. Um, mm,
2: and the other thing is Jamie Stanton. although she didn't have um, you know the same game she'd had the week before. Um, She's now second in the coaches' votes for the whole AFLW, um, second behind uh, Collingwood player uh, who has gotten three tens out of ten. So, so you know, second's no slouch. Um, so you know, Jamie's probably not going to win it because it's a long way to come back. But she's she's going to place um, if she keeps going the way she's going. And you know, that's for that's for the MVP as far as that's concerned. Uh, she she's a, a front runner.
0: Mm. I um yes, yeah, so the other thing was the best on ground votes, the the Q Clash award that they give out for the best best mm. on ground went to a Lions player. Um mm. I guess considering the amount of ball that was going into that Lions defensive fifty in the last half, I can sort of understand that. Um but I clearly I mean, thought Howarth was best okay. on ground.
2: Kate Kate Lutkins is, is a is a tremendous player and did did uh he did deserve it you'd think if the Lions had won. And if the Suns had won it definitely would have would have gone to Kalinda. So it's sort of a flip of a coin, isn't it? Um, I guess what comes out of it is that Kate Lutkins gets the gets the Q Clash medal and, and um and Kalinda gets a rising star nomination, so they both walk away with something they wanted.
0: And the only other Sun to poll on the best-on-ground votes was uh, Dunn? Did I get that oh, right? Oh, she was great. She's yeah. been great all year. So, what,
2: do, what do you think about the the debate today that there should be extra time in, in AFLW games because it's such a short season? And having a draw is actually a, a, an advantage to the Suns because it takes out percentage out of the equation – if there's no other draws in the conference. So even though we're out of the top three at the moment, we're only a couple of points out. And and if we, if we sort of you know, go reasonably well towards the end of the, the season, it's only the Lions that we really have to worry about percentage if, if, if it's sort of uh, between us and them. And there's a chance that there'll be another clash this year because uh, the way the finals are worked out, um, the, the teams cross over. And so there'll be Conference A versus Conference A at various points. So uh, there's a possible, a small possibility of a grand final Q clash, but we won't we won't uh, get ahead of ourselves. No, let's not. Stay get ahead. tuned for that one.
0: Yeah, it's way too early to tell about yep. how handy that uh, that those extra points are from the draw will be. Yep. Um,
2: do you think there should be extra
0: time or do you think it's just the, no, that's the game? And... No, no, we still have the draw during the regular season in the men's. I don't see why it wouldn't happen in the, the women's as well. Mr. Bods is in the chat. He agrees. He's also asking a couple of questions about why, more so coaching-related questions. Why do you think um, the coach took Kalinda off with four minutes left and he struggled to get Kaslar back onto the field as well? Um mm. In those dying minutes when we were desperate to get her behind, I think the Kazla thing was interesting. You know that there, there could have been injury or concussion that could have held that up, and the quarters are really, uh, really short quarters. Yeah. So there's, there's just not enough time to to get all that proper testing done for Kazla mm. if if it was well, concussion. Well,
2: well, well, she she was she was fine to come back on. But you've got to have a major stoppage and she's got to run 100-odd metres to get to the forwards. Or, you know, as it was, um, they've shifted Virgo forward, which I thought was a good good effort because she almost got free to sort of get that behind. But Brisbane just stacked all their players behind the ball and, and it was a really... They, they, there was a couple of times on the goal line there where they stopped that behind. Um, you know, this, look... The Suns probably should have won it, and it's the same with the game against the Giants, and they'll learn lessons from that.
0: Mm. All right, well, let's just finish off by saying the crowd for this game was 4,223. So not a bad effort. I figure it would have been a better crowd if fans weren't expected to pay for entry for this one because it was a doubleheader with the men's and uh, I believe it was about $20 a person to, to get in for the doubleheader of the games. And on top of that, we also had the All-Stars game in the NRL just down the road, mm-hmm. and that certainly doesn't help with the uh, the fan crowd base, the fans. If they've got a choice of going and seeing uh, a, a women's game and a men's practice game versus seeing some of the best... NRL players in the competition, you know, you know which one they're going to go pick. They're going to go Mm. towards the NRL fans, and it's we are in NRL heartland here on the Gold Coast. Mm. Clearly, there's twenty four thousand. Yeah, and that that's close to maximum capacity for that stadium, I think.
2: Exactly, and well, it was the Indigenous versus Australians versus the Indigenous. New Zealanders so Mm. you you know that that's even more sometimes they have like the all-stars or the rest of the world or something like that and this was a, a big game yeah it was a um and 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 look you can't blame them because it's a once in a year thing and it's a representative game you know it's kind of like the 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 state of origin for for AFL this week well you wouldn't be caught Dead trying to put on an any sort of event on the same time because they're going to get a hundred thousand. So, you know, the the AFL and the NRL need to grow up. And they, you know, it's just stupid. Um, that these events get scheduled in well in advance. And in the AFL's case, they've they've just they've just tacked on a pre-season game to the AFLW. And the AFLW schedule didn't get a, didn't get approved until not that long ago. It was only like two months ago. So. Yeah, um, I'm 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 a bit dirty on them for that, but then again, the Suns kind of own Sunday afternoon. So, uh, yeah.
0: Um, just before we move on, we've got Jen in the chat, newcomer. Welcome to the show, Jen. She's saying she loves the draw. It happens very rarely in the game, and that brings me back to the year of uh, 2010 when uh, Collingwood St Kilda had a draw in the grand final, the <laughs> last drawn grand final. And uh, I happened to have 10 bucks on the draw in that game, one 400 <laughs> wow. So that was, that I was, was the only one matched. in the pub. We went down to the Mermaid Beach Surf Club and uh, was watching it there because that's the St. Kilda supporter base on the Gold Coast. And uh, I was the only one in the pub at the end of the game, jumping up and down, screaming with joy. <laughs> so that was very <laughs> Look, interesting the, the that Col- day.
2: Most Collingwood supporters hated the idea at the time, but that's... Tell you what, the, the replay the following week, yeah. Collingwood thrashed them, and and they and they reckon that when you went to the ground, like you, people could actually buy a ticket. Whereas you, it, the AFL yeah. Grand Finals becoming like the Super Bowl, you just you have to have to know somebody to be invited to get the you, you have to pay through the nose to get. Tickets and even then you got to go into a bit of a lottery. So yeah, I, I reckon that I reckon they should have kept the kept the draw and go for go for an extra week. But of yeah, course, it was everyone a, just spent nah.
0: It was a strange game that one because yeah, I remember all the hype about the um, uh, the fans being able to actually get in and not just the corporates, but. Uh, well, Jen's but, saying she got uh,
2: uh, to see it, and then she wouldn't have if it wasn't a draw, so that's pretty good.
0: Yeah, and I guess the only people that really had fond memories of that day would be Collingwood supporters. Uh, oh. I, I personally thought the, the spectacle was a, a bit of a letdown uh, just because it was so one-sided, but uh, we see more and more one-sided grand finals these days than we do close contest ones. Um, all right, well, let's jump ahead into the men's game. So, Gold Coast Suns defeated Geelong, 17 goals, 21-22, to 7 goals, 10-54. So, 68-point win there. Fantastic effort from the Suns' men's. Mm. Sexton had six goals, King and Day, two apiece. And we had a slightly more crowd numbers than the women's with 5,903. Yeah, so- I don't think
2: those were... I don't think it was like the... Four thousand plus two thousand. I think it was probably more like only a couple of thousand stuck around, and so the the, the men the men's probably probably had around four thousand for that one only, and and there was a carryover. So yeah, considering there were seven thousand last week for the AFLW, and only about five hundred people turned up for the the men's practice, it was a bit different. But um, you know, you put two events on. In in two weeks, two consecutive weekends at Metricon, it's going to strain things. There's a lot of reasons for that low crowd, but anyway, let's get into the into the game.
0: All right. So, what did? Well, I'll I'll say a few of the takeaways I took from that game. Now, the new faces had an impact. As a fan watching the game, I could immediately see Hugh Greenwood standing up in tackles and still having the clean hands to get the ball out. Which is something we haven't had. Well, he yeah, yeah, had the first fans. clearance of the game, yeah, didn't, didn't he? We we saw Rail and Anderson with their flashes of brilliance around the ground as first game players in our, in mm. AFL, uh, mm. having an impact. We saw um, Brandon Ellis out on the wing providing speed and cool head, cool thinking to to get the ball inside fifty or the next kick out of the back line. backline. Mm. Um, so, we saw these new faces have a real impact. Um, fast ball movement was another big thing. We've seen Wasn't that before it in, uh, yeah, even last year, although last year's game against the Dogs this time last year was a very hard fought contest in Cairns. But I think the year before, I think we might have played Geelong up in Townsville. And again, that was a very fast paced game, I thought. This one was different because I felt like we were hitting targets. We were um, aware of where the ball was going to land. So the players were able to get front and center and crumb. And we, had, we were running. We were running with each other and there were always options. We weren't handballing to people that were under the pump. Uh, very rarely anyway. So it was, it was a huge thing and the last takeaway I've got from this game was actually something I got from speaking to one of the staff on game day and he said that being the the position that he holds he's out in the ground assisting and he said the one thing he's noticed this year is just how much bigger the Suns players are than what they have been in previous years physically demanding uh, of size Um, and the commentators on the TV said that they said that Something that's different for the Suns is their tackles are sticking; they're mm. they're not being pushed over as easily as what they used to. So we're actually starting to see the physical development of the Suns that we've been hoping to see for the last five or six years.
2: Yeah, too right. I mean, look one one observation straight off the bat: whenever you play Geelong, if if uh, if you can get out to a lead on them, they they generally eventually they'll they'll they'll, they'll come they'll Bring it back in, and that's what we saw. We got out to a, a bit of a lead. Probably should have been a bigger lead if we, if we were kicking straighter or converting better, especially with those bloody four behinds in a row in the in the second quarter. And then they got got in front, and then we then we kicked a few goals, and and that that's what the halftime score sort of looked like. And you thought hmm maybe we'll we'll keep this up, and, and, and it could be a close thing Thinkers, you knew Geelong were going to come back, except this isn't twenty best twenty two Geelong. That's probably about three quarter strength, which makes it all the more impressive. And we're probably at about three quarter strength, which is you know, says a lot about our depth for this year. But they, they Geelong really put the pressure on to come back in that third quarter, and I was just really amazed at the way that our players were able to not just respond, but when they when they started kicking goal after goal, they just kept the the, 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 the hammer on. And that's when the Geelong coaching staff went. Well, you know, we're just not going to win this. Uh, so we'll, let's just keep the uh, young guys out there. We'll put a few players on ice, and and that's how the game played out. So it was a bit of fun for the Suns in the in the fourth quarter. Um, you now Geelong were competitive, but it, you know it was all over in that in that third quarter. Um, just, and yeah, I mean without without concentrating on on players, and to add to what you were saying. Um, the, you know we we did a a bit better than them in the ruck and normally that ruck dominance doesn't necessarily translate into into centre um, dominance but we, we we did manage to really match them in the clearances and the stoppages and all that kind of stuff so that was just really good to see.
0: Mm. Uh, so obviously it was just a practice game and like you touched on Geelong, they did try. We saw aspects of them putting their best team in. They had probably arguably their best back line they could muster yeah. um you know, they still had dangerfield and ablett running through the midfield at certain times especially i think like you said one point in the third quarter um they tried to stem the flow and so they tried to win back dominance in the midfield by putting ablett dangerfield their best midfielders in there and the Suns, I think, got the very next takeaway. Yeah, it, it, it didn't last just, long. It wasn't having an impact. And then obviously it got to a point where Geelong were like, all right, well, like you said, they they didn't see any chance in trying too hard. And you could see that from the third quarter onwards that they just weren't chasing hard enough, laying tackles. Now, it's going to be completely different come the, the round one because the tempo of the game speeds up it bit even more and uh you know players will be chasing they're constantly chasing and i would expect a team like geelong to do what gold coast were doing throughout the whole game and you you, you watch the footage back the fourth quarter i think there was a minute there was a minute left to go you could still see alex sexton chasing his opponent running his guts out to lay a tackle uh, that's not something you would normally see in a preseason game, and we saw that from the Suns. The Suns were just—they had—they brought the intensity and the enthusiasm right from the start, and they still had it at the end of the game, which is really pleasing. So we're going to see a really competitive Suns side at least for the early half of the year. We have a history of dropping off in, as the players tire, but mm-hmm. hopefully we can maintain this for a lot longer than what we were last year with the the hard contested close contact footy uh the player's body should be able a to...
1: how did we become central ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts we focus on what matters most our patients at orthopedic one we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better and every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com.
0: To hold up a bit better. So I'm really looking forward to this. I think we can see a really strong competitive run and gun style Suns play for the for majority of the season.
2: Um, well, I mean, even though we weren't at our, at our best, you know, we, when these when these players who've been held out and, we, and we, look, we, we they haven't a, a, a lot of them like you know Harbrow and Hanley, and, um, and we know that Wits and, and and Thompson have have you know a, a recuperating from injury, but there's probably about six or eight guys who are going to come back in the next two to four weeks, and that just says to me that. You know, there are plenty of positions open for selection. And the next trial game is is really where it's going to happen. Um, there is another NEFL trial game before, you know, that round one first selection sort of goes on. And there are a couple of NEFL trial games that happen in rounds one and two of the AFL. So there's, there's a lot of footy that this club's going to play in the next month that will really determine how our start of our season is going to go. And our injury list might sound bad at the moment, but it's really not. It's it's uh, it's, it's holding up better than usual. And players are, are just... Um, they're on sort of round one or round three or round seven return dates. Um, there's only really a couple of guys who are mid-season returns and one... Out of fifty-two, who's who's uh, gone for the year, and we can replace them if if we want to. Uh, so yeah, if things are really looking good, Shane, we're a year older, and even though we brought in the rookies, the guys we brought in are ready to play. So we're going to bring all of those guys forward. We're going to be good this year. We're going to be great in the next few years. It uh, just really really depends on how that how the guys take this new game plan to that next level.
0: Yeah. Uh, Mr. Bods is in the chat asking whether they can tackle for four quarters all year based on what we've seen and from my understanding of the players' bodies being a lot more physically uh, larger and more demanding it's obvious they've got a, a new tackle coach or something going on there because their technique seems a lot more sound than what it has been or maybe it was just the Geelong t-shirts I'm, that, that could be the problem but, Could be, yeah. But I'm, I'm confident that with the exception of, uh, let's say, half a dozen games scattered throughout the whole year, we'll see the Suns with a really strong, hard-at-it performance. Uh, you know, some players will have off nights, and we're going to get to the players in a bit because we haven't really delved into that. Well, let, uh, but... let me
2: answer your, your rhetorical question. I think it's a yes. There. I don't know who or where or when, Yes, there's definitely been a, a, a focus on tackling in the off season. I'll tell you, um, last week in the in the practice match, the the younger guys who who didn't get a run this on Saturday night, even they were tackling at this kind of intensity. And the players that they were running up against was probably a better than half strength Lions team, uh, not not exactly a, a greatly different unit that ran around than ran around yesterday against Port. So, so yeah, tackling. For 2020, I'd expect to see it. Um, obviously, when you get into those competitive games where teams are out on their feet in the fourth quarter, you, you're not going to see, you know, short Lemons sprint 40 meters to go and nail someone. But I think you, I think in, in seasons gone, the Suns have really tried to stay in the game for the first two quarters, and they're just rooted in, in the second half. And, and they get blown out. So yeah, I, I don't I don't see that anyone can maintain that kind of intensity for four quarters. But this year they've got it, they're going to be playing. You know, the group is going to play four quarters, and that's what we really want to see, isn't it?
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, let's we we're going to have to split this up into two episodes. I think if we can't get through it all. But what we plan on doing is going through the the player list of everyone that played in that game and having a couple of words to say about them and where we think they're going to fit into the Suns in 2020, uh, mm-hmm. whether they're going to be definite starters, possible starters, probable starters. Um, so let's start off with Jack Bowes wearing the number three. Uh, Tom? Tom? Give us a few words uh, about Jack Bowes.
2: I, I, uh, Jack Bowes is definitely first uh, best twenty best 22. Um, he may even remain in the back line if he plays like that every game. Look, he's just cool, calm and collected. Uh, many people may, may not have realised he, he actually got named in the best on ground. So even though he didn't rack up the biggest stats, he didn't do anything wrong... And he really held that back six together. It was a bit of a Luke Hodge-type performance. Uh, everyone was wondering where the next Luke Hodge comes from. could be Jack Bowes.
0: Yeah, I, I've got to agree with you. And the other thing, Jack Bowes lined up on Ablett most of the night, mm. uh, at yeah, least when Ablett was for Ablett. forward, and Ablett had minimal impact. So he's also... He could be the answer to that small defender that we're we're calling out for that can just shut down... Shut, shut down opposition players
2: Yeah, when he wasn't on Ablett He was on Dangerfield mm. Dangerfield didn't exactly tear it up I mean, he, he did he did do damage But I mean, he's a Brownlow medalist Much more recently than Gaz
0: Yeah um, Alright, so the next player is Number four, Brandon Ellis So, first time son We got to see him in action uh, he was very quick, you, you notice how quick he actually is on the field He he got into the right spots on the wing and really used that to his advantage um, We saw a number of contests where he was able to get out with the ball and get it clear And I think it was one of the first plays we saw him in, in that first quarter He got the ball beautifully off half-back and was able to get the ball going straight down the line on on the outer wing Uh, to a Suns player and I'm pretty sure that went down the other end and at least gave us a scoring shot I think uh, Ainsworth might have been the one that missed the the shot on goal but it it definitely gave us a chance to score and we've been missing a winger that can really help clear the ball with a damaging kick towards our forward 50 Uh, we've been missing that sort of a player for many years so... Yeah,
2: if, if if you asked me, if you ask me last year, what if if I could have a, a, an A-grade player from a, any position on the field, I would have said we need a winger, and that's what he does. So We, we needed a, a real a real wingman, and at at Metricon we tend to sort of play on that. Um, Interchange side a lot, and that's 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 where he. I mean, I, you know we go back and forth, but that's where I sort of noticed him the most is is uh, playing playing in that sort of close to the bench kind of role, no matter which way we were going. And uh, yeah, I mean, he took six marks, and that's what you need—a marking, running, communicative, knowledgeable, experienced person on the wing. We we haven't really had that, um, but I I, I I do think that um. That, that Weller, who we'll get to in a minute, is the answer on the other wing.
0: But then again, maybe you'll
2: disagree. So let's let's get on to number six, eh?
0: So number six is Alex Sexton. So he had six goals to match his uh, jumper number. Jeez, he's a smart player, isn't he? He gets into the right position and he really knows how to, to milk, a, milk a goal. And also, like I said before, I saw him chasing really hard in that fourth quarter. I know I've criticised Sexton last year for being a a player that can just be shut down so easy and doesn't try hard enough, but I really saw the side of Sexton that I like on the weekend, and that was the side that chases hard, lays hard tackles, and then follows it up the other way, chasing hard to try and get the hands off for for a goal, and it really worked well for him.
2: Did you see that article uh, not that long ago, it was only last week, where... uh... They, they posited uh, – they actually borrowed a few of my statistics and ideas. But anyway, um, it was in afl.com.au. And they, they looked at who should be the full forward for the Suns. And they, they said, you know, Peter Wright doesn't catch enough forward 50s. Um, ben King's promising. Seven day uh,
0: you-
2: and Alex Sexton is actually the best at, at, at doing the full forward role. And if they're going to do that, how do they do that? And there's a lot to it. But I don't think he's full-time full forward. I just think... In various game, you just go, right, yeah. Alex in the goal square, everyone else do what you need to do to get the ball to him. Because he's going to score a goal. Mm. Right? Similar to the way Collingwood will do it with one of their medium-sized... Rather than put a, a giant gorilla in the goal square... Anyway, we'll see we'll see if it happens.
0: Alright, and the player that wears number seven, Will Brodie. So yes, he, he had Will a great Brodie. night in the I
2: mean it's it's it, yeah, it's no secret that we're gonna give him um, you know, he's a he's a definite best twenty two starter. Um, look, had lots of touches, but was all in the right direction. He's really worked on his on, on, on lowering his eyes and putting the ball where the, the forwards have the best places usually kicking in forward 50 um, yeah, great communication with teammates the only time I, I thought that he looked like he didn't really know where he needed to be was, was with um, with Greenwood um, That the two of them kind of wanted to be in the same spot so if they could interchange as that you know bull, bull sort of midfielder then you know, we're really yeah because I mean I don't think Brody's the the, you know your number one main midfielder type because he still hasn't got that full tank yet, although he's looking better and better. Uh, so Greenwood will really show him a few things, and I think the pair of them will uh, will really dominate. And they'll be sort of uh, rather than one or the other in the team. The, the pair of them will will be uh, rotating through that guts.
0: Yeah, I really liked what I saw of Brody. Uh, we, we had a lot of good things about him last week. Uh, about what, how he's improved his game and we saw that again this week. Now I'm not quite sure what his time on ground percentage was Tom but he he had a lot of the ball and when he had the ball he looked like he had the time and the composure to make the right decision and so That's something we haven't seen from Brodie last year. We saw him get the ball and then just sort of blaze away with a long kick or something. But this year, he looked almost Scott Pendlebury-esque. He grabbed the ball and you just saw him see him take a minute to just think about what he was going to do next. And he'd, he'd get the hands away or have a nice long kick to a player on the lead and most of the time that came off for him. So I'm really excited about Brody. I think we're going to yeah. see a real breakout year from him this year. And
2: 60% 60% time on ground, 29 touches.
0: Yeah, so he would have been
2: would have been a 40 touch game in a in a normal
0: yeah, so, 80 minute performance. So that was a great performance by Brody and the other player I think is going to have a real breakout game is our next player, number 9 Ben Ainsworth. Tell us more about what you thought about his game.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's another guy who, uh, he well, he, he actually played pretty pretty high. But, I mean, higher, I mean, it was 65%. So, uh, didn't play the whole game like he normally would. But, yeah, when he was on the field, just just fantastic. Um, the metres gained was the highest of either side, um, which is, you know, exactly what you want to see. Everyone's got him down as a forward, but I think he might be sort of, you know, named on, on the flank and, and play kind of an outside midfielder role uh, played a bit on the wing last year didn't he uh, I, I didn't really see him on the wing in this game but, uh, but yeah he'll go in the middle and get it uh, he'll, he'll take some marks on the 50 he can kick it from there um, you know we'll, we'll have to see where his position is but maybe guys like this uh, start on the bench and then just come in and, and go where they need to be rather than trying to decide how many small forwards you're going to have or any of that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, Ainsworth was really impressive. Again, he looks to have taken his game up another notch this year. He probably could have had two goals quite easily in that game, if not more. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, Brody Ainsworth, Bose—that's our draft class of twenty sixteen. Yep. Uh, yep. We saw Bose sort of take a mid leap last year before getting injured. Um, this year, we've got Ainsworth, Brody as well they all look like they're just going to go up another gear and that's going to be the the important part to seeing the Suns rise up the ladder this year. So that's right. next stop is pick, uh, player 11, uh, Tuke Miller.
2: Yeah, I've, I've got the odds and Shane's got the even, so that's why you're hearing a lot from me. <laughs> uh, look, Tuke was fantastic. Um, he, he, early on, he really looked clean and sharp. Uh, like... Like you, I watched it twice. You were there and and watched it the replay on TV. So, must you must have seen two different kind of approaches? I just watched it twice in the same same uh, thing. But second time round, I noticed too. He he was very good without being the best player on the field, which is fine. Uh, his forward pressure was fantastic. Laid nine tackles, just like Ainsworth did, um, and had twenty five touches, which is great. But yeah, I, I just. I just couldn't help but wonder, sometimes maybe we could find someone a little cleaner in there and maybe find another position for Miller. Uh, Mr. Bodds is saying, you know, he's a tagger, and I totally agree, but we've been we've been sort of uh, really hot on this idea that Miller should be a, a tagging defender who can go into the midfield as needed. What did you think of his performance?
0: Uh, he Personally, I hardly cited him, but he was you saw him a couple of times, but clearly with the 25 touches, he was getting the ball a lot more than what I thought he was. And Mm. we, we know Miller's a hard tackler and as Mr. Bod says, a tagger. So the nine tackles doesn't surprise me. Um, neither does Mm. the forward pressure, but you've written here fast. So Mm. you're probably right. He does look to have upped his, uh, his speed a bit. He, he, did a, when you did see him, he did seem to move a bit quicker than what we've seen him in the past. But I, I don't know. How, how do you up your speed? Like, maybe he's been playing with injury for the last couple of years. Uh, I'm not we, quite we know, sure. Well, took but...
2: well, well, has a, a history of having a, a, um, a, a, a... Well, it doesn't quite go odd even. But um, last year and then two years before that, he played with injury. Yeah. Um, and so he's not as fast. But he had a foot injury a few years ago, and it just seems like he's finally fully over it and and running at full gallop. It doesn't always mean uh, him and the, and a player we been talk about in a minute um, not the most accurate of of, of games. So uh, yeah, for me, he loses a couple of points. Just maybe he's just a bit rusty, or it's just new players, and you know he's kicking it to where they he thought they, but they don't end up being there or whatever. Um, no, he just yeah. I tend to be a bit more harsh on the on the, the guys who've been around for a little bit longer.
0: All right. Well, next player is number twelve, Sam Day. He provided a really strong target, especially as the game wore on and they moved Peter Wright on the ball to ruck. Sam Day came on and went down back. He he was really solid, I thought, and he plays that that mobile tall forward role really really well. He only had 53% of time on ground, so he clearly spent half the game off. But I thought he was he was just as good as Peter Wright. So I still think the right and day discussions are still going to be had. So you you would have to put him in the category of being a a, a probable we think that he'll play. Yeah. If you have a choice between Day and Wright, I'm still leaning towards my pre-season prediction that Sam Day is our man. But I'd need to see yeah. more from both Day and Wright to to make an educated decision on that.
2: Yeah, I want them all. I want King Wright and Day and and just no more no, never have all three of them in the one spot because it's just not going to work. Um you give Witsy a few more breaks, and he's going to need it because he's he's missed this uh, important preseason time. Have Witsy on the uh, on the ball seventy five percent of the time, and then give him ten percent resting in the half forward, you know, just on the edge of the goals on, on the edge of the uh, fifty meter arc, and have have Peter Wright go in there as as much as possible um, because he he is a ruck... Forward, not a forward who chops out in the ruck. Uh, we're seeing that more and more. Uh, Daisy looks great. I kept getting him a bit confused with uh, 21, <laughs> 12 and 21. Um, they're both tall and blonde. Um, look, what do you think about about Sam Day for the Westhoff-type role where he could be a swingman? And Bodsey's saying this, that that uh, Day could, could be a swingman. Move him where he's needed, like a chess piece. Um, you know, that that's, that's to my mind he's he's a veteran who can do it all
0: yeah it's interesting Day is capable of playing defence playing forward playing in the ruck but have we seen his best footy when he is moved around we haven't seen his best footy when he's been forward except for one or two games where he has a really good goal kicking game I think the most goals he's kicked in a game might be three if I'm not wrong um and d- defence he looks okay solid down back I mean it's not too hard to punch a ball away but again I don't think we see the best of Sam Day down back either um mm. it's a real tough thing I think Sam Day's one of the players that needs to be given a position so that he can just focus on what he's doing so for mine I don't yeah. like the idea of him being a swing man I think quite but simply th- these he days, needs to have these a forwards position.
2: do need to run the, you know, these forwards do need to go down down the wings and take those marks down the down the flanks. So you know a high center the half field.
0: forward. I can see Day as a high center half forward. Absolutely. Uh, just not not having two different roles of one trying to be an attacker and then two trying to be a defender. I think that's just too much. Uh, and I can still even see him doing. Uh, Ruck and forward They're not too dissimilar The whole point is you're both attacking the ball Uh, We've only got two minutes left Tom So we're going to put put a pause On our player reviews And leave all that till next week's episode Mm. Uh, Give us something to talk about next week With the men's having a a week off Uh, We have One more question Coming through on our Facebook From Paul Vosti. He wants to know, Hi guys, with Sexton, Benny and Darcy locks as small forwards, how do we get both Isaac and Lemons into the side? This is a real tough one. I think if we're going to do that, we basically have to be playing a small forward line and this may mean that Sam Day and Peter Wright miss out completely and we just go with the one tall in Ben King and then maybe have the mobile forward such as Alex Sexton join them.
2: Mm, yeah, it's certainly hard to, to, to name a best 22 right now without leaving out four or five players that you really wanted in there. Yeah. All right, well... I have to say that Rankin's not there, and say so he's not in the best 22 yet.
0: No, not yet, but we do expect Rankin to be there. Uh, I think Lemons is Come the most shows out it. of them. But... Mm. Yeah, we'll get in. to Lemons next week he, he had a great game So we'll talk more about Lemons next week And McPherson But that is definitely a hard question Alright well It's time for us to go Tom Thanks for joining me on the GC Sunscast Thanks to all of our live listeners It's been a very exciting chat having a Talking to everyone there And uh, thanks for listening If you're tuning in later on YouTube Or um, Spreaker so until next time, go Sons.
2: Go Suns. Hey.
1: Rumkey is hiring CDL drivers age 19 and up and drivers are paid based on experience. Rumkey CDL drivers earn $1,000 to $1,300 per week and more than $10,000 in bonuses possible in their first year. Rumpke drivers are home daily, work in a recession-resistant industry, receive great benefits and performance incentives. Start a lucrative career and apply now at rumpkecareers.com. Equal opportunity employer restrictions apply. How did we become Central Ohio's most trusted team of orthopedic experts? We focus on what matters most, our patients. At Orthopedic One, we know we're only at our best when we're helping you get better. And every day, your commitment to overcoming pain and injury inspires and moves us. That's why we bring our best every day to earn your trust. Find a physician near you at orthopedicone.com.